Greetings to all our listeners. Welcome to VPod, brought to you by the business cluster of Ram Vishakhapatnam. Usually, people from different educational and professional backgrounds pursue MBA at different stages of their life. It may be as a fresher, maybe after three years of experience or six years of experience, but with a well-defined and a solid goal. To mark this special episode, we are going to discuss on the topic how to make most of an MBA program. With us, we have a very esteemed guest. Mr. Satyat Priyadarshi. As the saying goes, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Mr. Satyat Priyadarshi is doing this in the industry for nearly two decades. He is an award-winning digital business leader who has been announced as one of the LinkedIn Power Profile in 2018 and Voice of LinkedIn in 2019. He has also been cited as one of the 50 most influential e-commerce professionals of India by CMO Asia. that to two years in a row currently he is leading reddington limited as a chief e-commerce officer he has previously held leadership positions and steered growths for organizations like google flipkart tata ai life insurance etc hello sir it's a pleasure to have you here on vpod how are you thank you so much it's an honor to uh, visit vishakhapatnam i am again in uh, in a virtual sense this time uh last experience was great and i am looking forward to uh, uh, an invigorating conversation even uh, this point yes sir we are pleased to welcome you and host you today so starting with our tourist podcast episode we would love if you can take us through your personal and professional life journey and the role played by the management education in it that itself will maybe take up the entire time because uh, my journey has not been as straight forward as uh, many of the leaders out there uh i i did my mba from so one of the things is uh, so i come from a small town called bhilai which is in chatisgarh and uh, uh and my town is known for uh, kind of pushing iits and uh, uh, engineering students all across india you go to any indian engineering college you will find at least one or two students who have studied in bhilai and then kind of so it's the quota for almost central india so you can understand in that kind of a town uh, the the aspiration my parents had was of course that i'll i'll go and do engineering uh, or uh, medical and uh, that's what people do i mean either you have done engineering or medical or nahi to bechare sharma ji ka ladka kuch nahi ho paya is the is the i mean it's 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 a reality in my town for instance my sister is actually a doctor i mean it's that real right so but i did not want to go through the same path uh, doing engineering and then it was not very clear so one of my classmates actually uh, joined iips in indore and i took a years drop to prepare for engineering but that was not the top of my mind and after a year he came back and he told me satyath why don't you join here uh, you know it has a great mca program and uh, i said okay so i applied for mca uh, and uh, i gave their indian entrance test and i secured some 32 rank or something but being in general category i could not secure because there were only out of 70 there was only nine general category seats so at the counseling i decided to change my life and take up mba that's how mba happened to me did not know what mba was what outcome will it have all i knew was that my mba degree had a two year specialization in systems in the pg year it was a five years integrated program so after five years i would come out with an mba degree and i would still be able to work with computers because i love computers since i mean i was in class 5 maybe right unfortunately when i reached class when i reached the fourth year uh, that specialization was taken away so again i had to look for the alternate route which turned out to be marketing as major and human resource management as minor what i also did not know was that my college is actually a favorite hunting spot for banks and fin financial industries uh, idbi bank and many other banks used to come with a bus and they would kind of hold all the students and everybody was trying to get into a bank from my my uh, college and uh, i had no interest in banking so when the placement season came uh, i was really I, i did not know what to do but i knew that i wanted to do things that i love and not go the well trodden path Uh, my name is on a book satyarth prakash so satyarth my name comes from there and i love reading as well so i started venturing into that and uh, 
it's a long story if you have time i can actually tell you the story maybe it will uh, make sense to some so it so happened that in those days in i am in the fourth year and uh, i am looking for a career trajectory and i find a bookstall near one of our hostels and it's a small bookstall it has maybe 300 books neatly crammed i'm sure you have something like that around your colleges as well where people would go they would borrow a book pay 100 rupees as deposit read the book and return the book back and get their 90 rupees back and keep 10 rupees as reading charge this was in indore right i started reading over there and soon my my velocity of reading was such that uh, every day i would be spending 30 40 rupees on paying the rental charge which was just too much so i approached this guy i said dude uh, it's so that uh, you know there is nothing much that i am doing i'll sit with your uh, i'll sit at your store for 2 hours in the evening and i'll help you sell these books and in return you let me read for free that was the first barter deal of my life and uh, he was also progressive i think because he did not read he he just sold those books right he did not read english actually and uh, we started that and uh, within 6 months uh, from an initial and i put some 250 rupees in that business in 6 months uh, turning that 250 rupees and what i would do is i would recommend books but soon i realized that these books had limitations they were not the latest books that were there out in the market right and the latest book cost 300 rupees so i said uh, listen rk his name was rk i said i'll put my 250 rupees whatever returns come out from this reading charge for this 250 rupees let me put it back in the business and you don't touch this you run your shop he agreed and i put my first 250 rupees on a book called da vinci code i think you've heard of it right from that 250 rupees of investment in 6 months i made 10000 rupees worth of stock by the end of 6 months when i was about to get placed i had 10000 rupees worth of books on that same table from that 250 rupees of initial investment and that told me that i understand this line maybe so i did not sit for placements i went and uh, i joined a very small company called book cafe which had in east street pune it had a store and it had numerous stores all across india i was made the southern team leader for south at a salary at a massive salary of 7000 rupees per month so i did my entire mba i understood everything that was going on in the class all the strategy branding i wanted to be a brand manager at one point of time i did one of my summer internships at an advertising uh, at the at an advertising agency i thought that's where the life would go right but the talent and passion actually was somewhere else and i joined a bookstore as southern team leader south at a salary of 7000 rupees after that i realized that maybe being in the sales front managing a store is not my calling my calling is in understanding what consumers want to read i changed my trajectory i joined crossword in 2006 as an assistant manager at a salary of 2.1 lakh rupees and i was like 15000 rupees a month in hand i don't know what will i do i mean it's a double jump right i mean from 7000 to 15000 rupees i worked for crossword for around one and a half years and then from there straight away i became the regional uh, merchandising manager for borders in dubai with a team of around uh, 55 people and uh, a buying budget in millions and millions of dollars and all of this i was able to sustain the point is from there again the trajectory shifted lehman brother crisis happened and borders closed down in us i was laid off and that was the first time i realized what laid off means i came back to india in 2010 and i realized that maybe physical bookstores are not the thing and uh, i was roaming around looking for my next gig in delhi book fair and i bumped into binny bansal and sujit kumar who were running a promotional stall in 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 delhi book fair and one thing led to another and i joined them as a national business development lead for flipkart in 2010 see i mean through all of this you will realize that mba does teach you things 
but those things are never in context you will read case studies but those things happen to others right how is a case study different from a movie that you watch right both can be equally true except that one is true and the other could have been true right but they have happened to other people and uh, they have not happened to you you can say that there is some learning there but it's not internalized that learning is you don't know there are you might have done maybe 300 cases by the time you will come out of college and all those 300 cases have equal importance in your mind you don't know which one will come true in your life right and there is no way that you can remember all those 300 cases and then there is life and it has surprises for you so i got laid off found an e-commerce company which was perfect but in 7 months i realized i do not know e-commerce i know books i know how to sell books i have done wonderfully well in offline world i do not know how does that translate into online world in 7 months i was completely burnt out i quit flipkart for 3 months i again roamed around trying to find a path and i stumbled on infibeam and i think this was one of the best choices i ever made it was a small company at that point of time stashed in ahmedabad nobody knew about it but it was the toughest e-commerce company at that point of time because it was created by 12x amazonians and i found a gig at this company for the next 2 to 1/2 years approximately i learned everything that i could learn about e-commerce and they taught me everything they knew about e-commerce and from there my journey started and it has been i think 10 years now that i have been following this path so i believe i mean life has its own way uh, you will go and hit the life with whatever tools you can like mba degrees and whatever right but life has its own way what's most important is understanding the shift in the environment finding great mentors who can explain it to you and in that ways i think i have been lucky i have had one of the best mentors that uh, industries could provide throughout so that's my life story from there i mean of course it's a, it's an upward trajectory e-commerce was booming uh, i was specialized in infibeam i was doing ebooks and e-magazines and uh, then i got married moved out to bangalore to look for the next one because my wife was based out of bangalore and from there on uh, borders approached uh, sorry google approached they were looking for somebody to lead the indian play store team from there landed in japan for the next whatever time was in japan managing the india play store as well as ebook store for around 12 13 countries after that again life changed had a kid so then again had to decide whether i want to live outside india within india we took a call that we will live inside india and at that point jio was helping set up so came and joined jio for four and a half years i was there and gradually from there to tata aia and the present profile it's just a linear trajectory so that's my story the long and short of it uh, i think i took some 10 minutes over there sorry for a long answer but uh, the point here is that life can be bizarre and uh, everything is not as laid out and as simple as as people think it will be at least that's what my experience is over to you mayur as you mentioned that there were multiple instances that you were in, you were through different roles throughout your professional journey as well so the same situation happens in the life of an b school student right yes. so there are times when an individual student a b school student has a multiple options to pick from during a mba program it may be like if you take an example currently the summer placements and final placements are going on so sometimes students get a desired stipend or a salary but not the job profile as he expects he or she expects what do you suggest students on how should they prioritize their options they should not prioritize money at all if you look at my career trajectory the part that i did not tell you that throughout my mba i was working part time at one point of time i was a team lead for bacardi while in college for indoor with a team of 20 people promoting bacardi out of bars and restaurants in indoor right and i got paid paltry sum but that work itself taught me a lot of new things it taught me how to talk to strangers how to have quick 5 minute rapports how does the ownership work how does relationships work how do business environments work it it was liquor business 
it showed me that all is not positive. There are undertones of negativity inside an industry as well. And all of these things enrich your mind in a different way. Life is made up of experiences and the experiences that you manage to take is what people pay for. And if somebody is coming over and paying you a stipend just for your MBA degree, don't go over there. Go over there where you can, you can work with passion and you can enjoy that work. For instance, if you look at my initial days, right? I loved books. I loved reading books. In fact, one of the first reasons I joined a bookstore was that I'll get to read for free. Correct. And I continued the trajectory. People would give me money for that talent, but I was not working for that money. I was working for my own passion. It looks both Gisapita. I'm telling you, I know even when I'm seeing it, I'm saying it, it looks like every second movie is talking about, right? But if you focus on what you love, then the money is basically free. If you love cricket and somebody is paying you to play cricket, right? I mean, what can be a better deal than that? So my sense would be that go and hit something that you're passionate about. That is strategy number one. But suppose there is nothing out there that's passionate, right? That you're passionate about. If it's a, if it's a choice like that, then rather than still looking at money, I would go and look at the industry of the particular company. Which industry is it playing in? Is that industry slated for a higher growth or a medium growth? For instance, if an airlines company came to me, if I am an MBA student and I have choices and an airlines company comes and gives me a stipend of uh, 50,000 a month, right? Versus say, a, a, a drone company comes and gives me a stipend of 20,000 rupees a month. I would go with the drone company because an airlines company is a flat trajectory. It's a loss making industry. The profitability has to be really, really squeezed out. It's a mature industry while an EV company or a drone company or a space company, they are at the really early stages of their formation. Whatever has to be learned, the truths of this industry will emerge in the next five years or 10 years. And I would rather bet my money on knowing more and being specialist in this niche company that very few people know about rather than joining in a sector that is completely mature. Because this growth will be very horizontal. While this growth, if I do well, and given that I am me, right? I know that as the industry grows, I will grow with it. And you will see it in my uh, career as well. As I said, I have been very, very lucky. I somehow latched on to retail when retail was booming. It was not a conscious choice. It just happened, right? I latched on to e-commerce when e-commerce was just at the cusp and getting invented, right? There are better people than me who have come after me, right? But they have not seen the same amount of growth that I have. And it's partly because a rising tide raises all ships. So find out that tide that is just in the process of being forming and ride it. That's what my suggestion would be. Does it answer your question, Mayur? Yes, sir. In line, there is one more question I would ask. It was like um, uh, in the initial stage of the professional life, uh, a particular student, when he joins a company, he, is, he has a particular expectations about a particular role. But if that, that does not matches, as you have been serving reputed organizations like Google and Flipkart, that to at various leadership roles. So can you please throw some light on how an effective leader basically balances the IQ and EQ in this competitive working environment? Right. So there can be many things that, that don't work out. For instance, the profile might not. I mean, you thought that the profile is going to be this or the profile was sold to you in a particular way. You go to the company and you realize that, hey, I'm just doing grunt work and, you know, whatever was sold to me, maybe will happen two years down the line. Right. And you might be in a hurry. You want, you thought that you will be managing big clients or doing some cool things. And you realize that is not the truth. So there are two or three ways. I mean, if you find yourself in a sticky situation, there are two or three ways to look at it. If it's a startup, 
startups do not have very hard and fast rules you can actually have an open conversation with your manager and tell them that this is what you are thinking about you are not happy is it possible for you to be given additional responsibility or things that you are looking for that is one way in established companies also you will find that hr companies hr hr managers are very very responsive because they understand that if you decide to quit replacing you is a pain again holding 10 interviews finding that person out chasing workflow management all of that versus it's easier to see how to retain you and you will be retained but you have to be very very positive about it can't crib about it you have to not just raise a problem but also raise a problem and propose a solution in all of this the eq part actually plays a large amount of uh, role when you are talking with your managers when you are talking with your uh, hr or your uh, uh, your colleagues if for instance if you are unhappy about the things that have been assigned to you of course it is creating some kind of frustration inside you that hey i am doing on things that i don't want to work i am working on things i don't want to work on right if that starts coming out and your colleagues had no hand in it your manager had maybe very little hand in it right it is your understanding it is your passion you want to work on something you have been given something right that friction is inside of you so you should be aware of these things your own emotional state and you should not punish people who are with you just because so you'll find in organizations people who find uh, who who become negative very quickly they will they will have a bad experience and all of a sudden they'll be just spewing negativity around in every water cooler talk every meeting they will become they they, they feel frustration and they make sure that the people around them also feel that frustration don't be that guy so for that you need to have a very high level of emotional internal maturity that this is my issue i have to solve it these people are not at fault let me not punish them by making their work environment bad and also try to find out a solution by working with people by and it's actually flip it the other way around on these challenges go and talk to your colleagues some of them will be senior they will be able to guide you and you can actually go and ask them that hey i am facing this challenge how should i i mean what do you think do you have any suggestions or recommendations for me find a few senior mentors inside the organization who can actually who have been there in the organization who can light up the path for you that hey don't worry if the organization has said this thing will happen and then that small assurance also works sometimes in in kind of you know calming you so the emotional quotient first of all being aware of your own emotional state is important second understanding what the other people's perspective are and then interfacing with them with that level is the second thing and third is always communicate communicate openly communicate transparently with no hidden agendas and if you are doing that constant constantly people will rush and help you out that's what my experience has been there will be few detractors few politics some here and there that is normal i mean any organization will have but largely i believe people are good and people support each other that's what my feeling is about people does that answer your question mayur yes sir so moving on from this topic like you discussed about the iq and eq part and you discussed about how your mentors have helped you and um, gaining that like uh, helping you in deciding that path so i am pretty sure that you know networking must be a part of it like how are you connecting with your seniors how are you connecting with your managers so can you throw some light on the part of networking don't don't actually i, I am not a very good example when it comes to networking or connecting with because uh, there i have seen other people do it and they do it much better i think uh, i have been very dumb in that uh so for instance in one of my early profiles i had a manager and the manager assigned me tasks and uh, i would keep on taking tasks right so much so that at one point i was working 13 hours 14 hours in a day and what i would do is i will take on the task i will try to do, go and do it and i'll get stuck then i'll reach out to him i'll say how it has to be done please tell me 
And so, you know, I, I kept on doing it for a year. I think he did not even realize what was I doing. So I would take on things I don't know how to do. And then I'll give it a stab and then I'll reach and I'll, I'll reach out to him and I'll, and he would be like, Are Satya, yaar, this is not how it has to be done. See, and he will tell me how to do it and I will do it. And so that's how I bonded with him. Right. In the, in the second job, again, the same thing happened again. I would take on everything that is there on my manager's plate. Then on some of them, I'll get stuck. Then I'll go and ask that, why, why are you asking me to do it in this particular way? Shouldn't we do it? So most of my discussions were around work, but I treated them as my managers, but I actually was treating them as my teachers. Uh, it's like a life project has been given and I am solving it and I'm not getting the answer out. And then I'm trying to understand the hidden rationale behind it. So for instance, in one of my early jobs, again, I was supposed to do a business planning for around some $55 million, right? And uh, I did not know, I mean, how to do it. So I built my own kind of format to that business plan. And uh, then my manager would come in and he would change. And that activity kept on happening for like almost two months. So I will prepare the next version. Then we will come back and he will tell me that uh, Satya, uh, yaar, uh, for 55 million, mein, you know, we need a profitability of at least 40%. This is not working out. Make it so that it's 40% at 55 million. Then I will again go back, hit strategy, what has to be done, how it should be done so that I get that 40%. Next again, after a week, he will come back. He will say, no, no, actually we don't need 40%. We need 42%. Then again, I will go back and I'll try to find out the 2%. This happened for two months. As a result, I built, I think the one of the most complicated, massive excels that I have ever built. At one point, then I put my foot down. I said, boss, since last two months, you've been doing this and I have been doing this. I have no problems. I can do it 10 times more, but now I need to understand that. Why are you changing it every single day, every single week? And the download he gave me that kind of, I think it's one of my intrinsic understandings of business, you know, because he had also seen that he has frustrated me for two months. And he explained the way he sees the business. And then over the next six months, my relationship with him completely changed. And we became partners in fixing that business profitability problem. And I think, I mean, these are some of the things that my future managers after that one have gotten benefited from. So I haven't actually been kind of one of those guys who invites boss over for a lunch and a dinner and they go outside and they party. And those are also things available. I am not one of those guys who calls up managers at uh, over weekends and asks, how's your dog doing? But my passion is for business. And if my manager also is passionate about the same goal, then we partner together. That's how I have always worked. I don't know. Maybe one of you guys will be nerds and you know, it will appeal to them. So I just laid it out. But uh, for most of the people, it is being nice to your manager, uh, calling up here, there, weekends, uh, being the eyes and, and uh, eyes and ears, protecting your manager's interest, and uh, having blind faith. These are all things that I have seen other people do. Not questioning your manager is literally the top of it, which people have done. And I have not kind of done any of these. So I might not be the best example to cite. Uh, you know, all of us are new in the networking part. And uh, so th this is what we're finding difficulty also. Like we want to join the industry and in this current MBA scenario also. Like uh, taking sure. some insights from your WorkEx and from your MBA journey, like how have you managed uh, prioritizing your work? And how have you been able to balance out your duties in a way that you are able to accomplish it fully? I have been bad at it again. Because for me, I... Actually, this work-life balance, it's a fairly recent phenomena and it's a way, fairly recent terminology. I've been working since 2005. So in those days, the thought process was that do it right the first time and do it right every time. So when, for instance, in one of my first jobs, I was given a responsibility. Then I took another responsibility where I had to open up few stores. And my warehouse was kind of being going through a transition at that point of time, things were completely unorganized. So I would send out an Excel sheet of books that were supposed to be sent out to stores. The warehouse would ignore it, would not be able to find the books. I would say these are the 500 books that have to be sent to a particular store. It's a new store opening. 
the warehouse would only find 200, 100 or whatever, right? At this point, if I was a, a management savvy guy, I would have actually raised it with my manager, escalated it, fixed the warehousing system, so on and so forth. But all of that never came to my mind. It was like, hey, it's my responsibility to open the store. If the store does not have books, then I have failed. So I backward integrated. So after six o'clock in the evening, I would go to the warehouse, take off my shirt, pull up my roll up my pants because it was completely messy. And I would take out all the books with my own hand, fill up a full gondola saying that, okay, this is what this has to be sent out to that store. And I did that for a year. So very dumb way of actually solving a problem. But then what it gave me is a perspective of how warehouses work. What are the challenges that they have? Uh, I saw every single book, which used to be an Excel sheet. I actually picked up with my own hand, right? And uh, I also got some respect for the hard work that warehouse managers and warehouse staff does. And when I went to borders in Dubai, when they were looking for somebody to manage the warehouse as well, it did not even take me one second to actually understand how the warehouse has to be kind of fixed because I had been doing that for the last one year, I was working in a warehouse part, part of my job. And it was very easy for me to take on that additional responsibility and execute it. Right. So again, different ways to solve the same problem, but mine has been, I think the dumber one uh, in which I would just go and hit the problem, pull up my sleeves and kind of get down to it. But I think there are, there could have been better ways. I mean, uh, a better way would have been maybe to fix the warehousing system from top so that it was long-term. What I did was very tactical, right? I solved my problem, but not anybody else's. So, uh, I mean, these are some of the things. Uh, I, I don't know if it answers your question. Uh, no, sir, it does answer it. Uh, like, you know, it gives us a perspective. There's no right answer to any of these things. You know, it's just uh, what my experience is and other people have. I mean, I had colleagues, right? And they were facing the same problem and they were maybe solving it in a different way. They were maybe setting the expectations that store cannot be opened on that particular day or the store cannot be opened with 500 books and it can only be opened with 200 books because that is what is achievable. And they might have been able to convince the manager. But uh, for me, kind of, I had a different goal. And so, so I'm just citing this that what you do, how you do is based on your strengths. Your strategy in life will be always based on your strengths, right? And uh, I have had my strengths, which I have utilized other people have their strengths, which they should utilize. And again, I'll roll back to the point which Mayur made about IQ and EQ. Understanding your own behavior and understanding yourself is a very, very key ingredient in all of this. If you understand what triggers you, if you understand what makes you angry, if you understand what, what pleases you, if you understand how you can be hacked, how people can leverage you, if you understand all of these things about yourself, then you will be able to build perfect strategy to navigate your career. Unfortunately for me, I think some of it has come in uh, uh, very, very late. I did not start out with this kind of a toolbox. And many times people ask me, what's the difference between your MBA degree and an IIM degree? And I mean, you're an MBA and IIM also provide an MBA. I think uh, from an MBA kind of like IIM, you actually get an opportunity to get exposed to these ideas early on, right? So I, I hope that it has not just been books and textbooks and case studies, and, but it has also been a lot of introspection because unless you know thyself, unless you have won over yourself, you will not be able to win over the environment. As you mentioned about the problem that people face while doing their job or how one should strategize their actions to pursue their dreams, many of us in the B school come with an entrepreneurial dream. And many of the B schools have started offering startup incubators and deferred placement policies. So what do you think about that? What is What are your views on this? I think, uh, so I've seen this space uh, closely. I am not a very big fan of deferred placement policy. And uh, what has happened also is that uh, uh, B schools in the West started some of these, some of these policies. And uh, in India, we have always had a problem of plenty, right? There are just too many students to place. There are very few companies and, you know, and suddenly I think some smart Indian schools, they put two and two together. They said, hey, you know what? Uh, we'll do 50% of the placement for the rest of the 40%. We'll do a deferred placement policy and still our numbers will be 100% placed. And some of those bets will pan out. I mean, these are intelligent guys. They have reached here. 
they have cracked the cat exam and so what are the chances that they will not make out in life and like you know out of the next 40% i am sure one or two will kind of become something and then we will claim that success essentially that is what the strategy has become i i don't see this as as a, a, a very student friendly i see this as a very management friendly strategy in the way it is being applied at indian b schools very few indian b schools actually are setting up incubators which have true backing behind them atal innovation mission has been used by some of the schools but then again for what atal innovation mission gave them some grant they took that grant set up a lab then those labs are being rented out to private companies this is also happening in india right uh, those uh, grounds or those uh, halls that were made using that grant money they are being rented out for uh, symposiums and they are being rented out for this to make money so what it has become i mean there are good places and then there are bad places and some of them have utilized the government's grant in in a suboptimal way and not for the students benefit at all how many how many incubators that are there i mean which which will truly allow a student to freely express their idea and kind of run for two years with their support i am not seeing a lot of them i am seeing some private companies setting up incubators which are which started with a particular thought but then again they also have realized that hey you know what a uh, 22 year old co-founder looks very uh, smart and savvy on presentations and pitch decks and a stanford dropout starting a local delivery startup also looks very suave in in presentations but is it actually the best formula for a successful business in a mature startup environment which is now not in 2009 when there was nobody doing anything and the technology maturity was very low and they have also these incubators have, which were doing which were actually attempting to solve they have also moved on to more mature startup and more mature founders with decades of experience under their belt because they are also now looking at more successes so my sense is that if you want to start up you should finish your program and then go ahead and take that plunge and it is completely right to take that plunge but then not take plunge just because it's cool because i get approached by a lot of uh, founders again who have just opened up a company because it was cool uh, and then you know or uh, they will go through and they they first of all make their mind that i want to become an entrepreneur and then they will go ahead and uh, they will go through the y combinator list and see that what of these can be copied in india then they will build that deck they will reach an investor and they will say hey you know what this is a problem that exists in india the problem might not actually be even indian okay but uh, y combinator has become a hunting ground uh, you know uh, there are other other sources as well and uh, people are just copying and pasting those ideas and thinking that you know they have become an entrepreneur and they will make it they will not unless you find a problem which you are passionate about you will not make it you might get funded even but you will not make it so that's what uh, my sense is about this space even in management colleges the incubators that are being set up they are not being set up keeping the students benefit in mind they are more about how can we look cool how many research papers are we publishing when they go abroad or they go to government ministries the ministries ask hey what are you doing about the startup this thing they come back and they create an incubator but if you look at actual success metric of such incubators i haven't seen a lot of them succeed because they are not built with the right agenda in mind so there is scope over there provided if that focus is really really brought in so another thing that we would like to ask you is uh, you say that the one of the reasons the startup should fail because they are not able to uh, catch up with the problem that is actually happening in our society or can i also say that the industry has been continuously changing so as you are an academic board member of various renowned institutes what do you think that how the mba programs are evolving and whether the students are able to match the industry standards or not they are not man not by a long shot the bureaucracy is killing our country 
bureaucracy in the sense and there is a reason for the bureaucracy to exist think of how the government works government has aict that has been set up that dictates that you know you have to work in a particular manner you have to declare the subjects or you can only take in subjects that are a part of the entire aict domain and you can pick up these subjects and you can teach it to your students but you have to declare it beforehand they have to have at least xyz amount of course credits and that means these many hours of classes fair enough it helps colleges who are not very ambitious keep on track right it keeps people who are not in education for students but to make money it forces them to walk a path and it forces them to at least attain a certain quality standard but it also inhibits colleges in india who have great vision it also inhibits them it inhibits experimentation it inhibits a quick change of direction part of this bureaucracy which is the problem is also career teachers these career teachers were really good teachers once upon a time and they were subject matter experts then they hit their mid 30s then holding on to the job became very very important and then the kind of bureaucracy that has been invented which has become that how do i pour the old wine which i have been teaching since last 15 years into the new bottle so you will suddenly find people who have been teaching statistics gravitating towards machine learning suddenly the courses have been renamed but if you go and hit the quantity uh, sorry the quality of the course what is being taught inside those courses is the same old decade old jazz the rationale you know what how can we teach machine learning until the student has a basis of statistics so the program is machine learning but you are reading the same stuff that you have always been reading under the same old thing so we work on branding and nomenclature and naming conventions we are not actually working on quality so in some of the places that i was invited to speak i told them that we have a same problem in industry and we bring in third party auditors and they guys they audit us and they tell us whether we are doing a bang up job or not whether the students have a good and uh, you will not hear this idea again uh people heard it out then they realized dang if we bring bring in the third party auditor to actually audit my courses then how will we actually manage the teacher who is a marketing head does not know anything about digital marketing does not want to learn about digital marketing he wants to sell a digital marketing program from a third party company to his students so that his position remains safe if you have teachers who are not also students in this ever evolving environment how can that succeed right so i want to hang on to my professorship as a marketing head having zero experience in digital marketing while the industry has completely shifted where 70% of spend is digital today what will happen to those students so i think that there is a serious need of some of some of this overhaul where some of these uh, you know people need to just let go like how we have churn they need to be churned out new people need to be brought in and because all of that is not happening in 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 various colleges is the reason that companies like an academy and uh, some of these you know edtech companies are taking shape because they are not bound by the same aict so the bureaucracy that is at aict is governance model and then the second level of bureaucracy at colleges that together is killing our education system what brought us here is not going to take us there so market participants have jumped at the uh, occasion and are selling courses uh, and uh, in all of this it's the student who now has to attend 8 hours of classes maintain an 85% attendance and on top of that to save his own skin has now to find time over weekends to actually go through all of the new stuff which will actually help him earn money and 
overall that is where it is and the students who are not realizing this and they are thinking that the college curriculum will save them they are the ones who get laid off who get sidelined and then we hear influencers on linkedin and twitter say that our engineering colleges are not producing engineers that are employable exactly because of this reason the computer engineer is still the computer teacher over there is still teaching c and c++ from textbooks that were written 15 years ago thank you sir so another question from the discussion that we had is uh, suppose you said that the colleges are colleges are not really evolving their course material the professors are not doing their own bit so what should a student do in such situation that they are able to manage well in the industry when they move out after two years as i so, said the pressure is more on students now yes you have bought a program that is not going to help you but that program was supposed to give you quality right suppose you bought a you you bought a food thinking it will have vitamin a b c and d but it only has vitamin a your body needs c d and e and you have to find alternate sources that's why why do you think edtech is booming what were people betting betting on right so point 1 the ownership now goes to student in olden days you will hear people who were class 12th pass they 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 could actually go and become tts and they spoke better english than me and you actually okay how was that because the quality of education was there now the education is there but that's a stamp the quality is on the student's hand what you put in yourself how much study do you do how many mentors do you connect with how many varied ideas are you exposed to so what that does is it completely grinds you you should not if you are in a two year mba you should not have any weekends you should barely have 2 hours to unwind in a day and 6 hours or 6 hours or so of sleep if you have any more of this time left that means you're wasting your time doing things that you should not be doing that's the given i mean but there are i have found bright sparks university of tejpur in assam many of you might not even know that it exists but the students over there i mean and the teachers over there one of the best teachers i came across one of the best students i have come across and it's a government university i just could not believe that in some so there are it's not all bad there there are bright spots in india right there are teachers who by their own metal are carrying the entire college on their shoulders but then they are far and few in between it's not a replicable and a scalable model and therefore what is scalable is students looking out for their own interest engaging more with the industry forming student bodies and doing some of these extracurricular activities so that they get exposed to new ideas but the onus is now on students it's that old latin proverb buyer beware so students have bought into it so the onus is on them now over to you uh in, in one of our previous discussion there was a mention of linkedin platform so what do you think how is linkedin platform evolving and is it acting as a great brand channel even for the b school students and management professionals uh, what are your views on it linkedin i have been on linkedin since last 10 years if you see i was a power profile and uh, this thing and all of this i mean in 2018 19 after that i have kind of almost quit the platform and multiple times i mean now it has become junk uh, till till the time i think 2018 till 2018 it was a hidden unknown platform a lot of people did not know about it so only very 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 niche and good quality people used to hang around the quality of conversation was completely different but now it has found the content marketeers and brand marketeers this thing it has become a part of media landscape and uh, it has just gone down to the dogs now uh, so what i will say basically what i am trying to say is earlier i would find every alternate post like insightful now maybe out of 1 out of 100 will give me food for thought or uh, kind of tell me that okay this is something so for students who are going on linkedin thinking that it's a very serious platform 
not much what of course you find over there are uh, a lot of business leaders are there yes but most of the business leaders over there also are 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 of one type they have one thing in common either their marketing departments have pushed them over there and are managing their linkedin uh, profiles and their linkedin posts and so the guy himself is never logging in or the second is the guy himself is so media hungry that uh, he is kind of interacting and posting or he has set up a team to do all of that in his behalf right these are the two people both of these two people maybe can't help you a better idea is to actually use linkedin to find out the org structure of companies and then hit the companies directly you can use there are uh, uh, good services out there that can actually tell you uh, contact details contact numbers all of these things uh, on the uh, on the platform and as a college if you are supposed in a placement committee you should maybe get one of these subscriptions find out the company you want to hit find out the leader from linkedin and then go and write to them directly or call them up directly and give them a pitch should not shy away from this because tomorrow when you pass out and if you get into a marketing or a business development role you will anyways be doing this so it's better that you start doing it right now another thing i see is most of the students what they do is they identify a particular uh, so i i get hit by such requests a lot so i can see that one day you know there will be five connection requests from the same college and i realize that okay there is some meeting some proposal has happened and my name has sort come up and all five people have sent out a, a connect request thinking ki koi ek to somebody will be kind of you know connected and from there we will be able to go forward that also is a strategy that might actually work uh, not a bad strategy but then again i prefer that uh, you drop in a mail or you drop in a phone call works better dekho linkedin it's a, it's a grind i mean uh, it it it's very time consuming to manage so unless you are using some tool or software if you are doing it collectively very difficult to actually uh, get returns out of it thank you sir uh, for enlightening our listeners and enthusiastic students with your profound experience and expertise we really hope to interact with you again in the future on this note i would like to conclude this milestone episode of our season 1 podcast series sir on behalf of i am vishakhapatnam i would like to extend my gratitude to you for taking out your valuable time thanks to all our listeners stay tuned and have a great time thank you so much mayur amitos tanmay it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, i wish you all the success and when your time comes you know go forth and conquer okay bye bye